0: All right, before he comes and shares, I want you to know, because while he's speaking, you're gonna be thinking, I gotta sign up, I gotta sign up, I gotta, listen, if that number and travel to and from California scares you, like it does me sometimes, if God calls you to go, if God calls you to go, every time I've gone, it has been him that has provided. It's not that I just have a lot of cash and he will provide and meet our needs. Um, so as Randy comes, Randy kind of got um, hoodwinked this weekend. He thought he was coming out to give a marriage retreat, <laughs> but he found out that he was actually supposed to be speaking on finding hope through life's hurts after the first night, no. He, Randy's such a great guy. Um, this is by the way, 2018. This is our team picture. Some of us have gained a little weight since then, Randy. <laughs> then in 2022, this was our group, or at least the, most of it. Some of you will recognize yourselves here. Then this last summer, Dios le bendiga. God bless you. That was our team. And so without too much further ado, I'm going to invite Randy DeWitt to come. Let's give him a warm welcome all the way from Idaho to bring us.
1: All right, is this thing on? Okay, perfect. Yes, I got hoodwinked this weekend in good old-fashioned Pastor Tim's ways of doing things. Not that I didn't expect anything different. So I've been calling it the mystery retreat because nobody really knew what we were going to be doing up there. Does this thing come up anymore? I'm trying. trying. Oh, there we go. All right. So forgive me, front row. I'm used to the headset. So if this mic comes flying out of my hand, you guys better be prepared because I'm I'm a hands kind of guy, right? So, yeah, no, Pastor Tim just calls me out of the blue. He's like, hey, you want to do this thing on this thing? And I'm like, well, we've never done that before. He's like, no, you'll be great, right? Is that not Pastor Tim? Yeah, no, it'll be fine. Like, it's going to be great. Don't worry about it. Don't even think about it. I think what was even better is I was under the impression that I was giving a message Sunday up there. And then he's like, oh, no, you're preaching at the church on Sunday. I'm like, hmm. <laughs>
2: Has anybody else here had
1: that instances with Temple? you're like, oh, that's what we're doing? No, I, I got to say, it's it's great to be here. I, I, it was so amazing to see all my old friends that I've got to visit um, in Mexico before and come down with quite a few of you guys, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, one thing I do want to share, and this is funny because this wasn't, I'm here to talk about missions, but God just put something else on my heart real quick for you guys, especially in lieu of being up here and being a little bit more intimate with, with the church and getting to meet wonderful people. By the way, you have some amazing people. And some real people here. It was so awesome this weekend to connect and hear stories and have people respond to the stories of what God was doing. Um, One of the things that I struggled with this weekend is I'm like, God, what do you want me to talk about? We've never done this before. We don't know what we're doing. I'm like, all I have is a story of my life. And he's like, did you ever read the Bible, Randy? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've read it. He's like, what is it? Oh, it's about accounts of people's lives and what God did through those lives. And that's what we shared. But here's what I want to share with you today. This, I don't have this written down, and, and forgive me if I mess it up. I want to talk a little bit to the leadership, to the pastor, for the elders, and then for you as a congregation. It's a tough spot to be in leadership. Um, for you that don't know, my wife and I, we've been married, what, quite a while? <laughs> 13 years, blended family. She had three, I had two. We have five wonderful kids. Um, I'm now an elder at our church. It's only my second time being an elder. I'm a real estate agent, and I do mission trips That's it. I have no no biblical theology studies I learned everything from what I call automobile University I listened to sermons while I was driving a truck for a very long time (laughs) that was that was the bulk of this Well, let me talk to you a little bit about leadership And then I want to challenge you church to listen to this story if you read in the book of Exodus and we we watch the story of Moses Okay, picture Moses as your leadership and as your pastor. Okay, Moses sees a burning bush, hears from God, right? What is it? Really, well, well, we won't go into question and answer, but you want to know what he does next? He argues with God because God wanted him to go do something. And God's like, hey, I need you to go do this. And Moses is like, uh, I don't want to do this. I don't speak well. He made all the excuses that we usually make when God asks us to do stuff. God got angry with Moses. So he's like, fine, I'll send your brother Aaron. Let's go do that. So Moses hears from God, goes back to the Israelites, and he's like, God has heard your pleas. I'm gonna go talk to Pharaoh for you. And guess what, the Israelites were excited, the church. After that, he goes and talks to Pharaoh. He's like, Pharaoh, set my people free, God told you to. Right? And you know what happened next? Pharaoh made it harder on the Israelites. He took away the straw that they were making bricks out of and made their punishment worse. And guess what the Israelites did to their leader? They got mad at him. Why would you do this to us? Why would you, like, we, they were slaves. I'm not sure why they were so excited about that. But they were like, hey, why would you make it worse on us? We thought you heard from God. Well, guys, if you finish out the story, it's a pretty good story for the Israelites. But just think about that as a church when your leadership comes to you and hears from God and says, hey, we need to go do this. And I know like, I've worked with this guy. He doesn't always think things through. <laughs> but I'll promise you, everything we've done together has worked out for the glory of God. Amen. So I just challenge you when, when the leaders are hearing from God and they're feeling called to do it and it doesn't make sense, and maybe God is even allowing a few things that are hard and challenging to the church, that you hold your faith in your leaders. Hold your faith in your leadership. So that was just a little side thing that I wanted to share with you. And um, so if you guys, I don't know if you guys do this or not, but when we read the Word of God and we stand up, so if you wouldn't mind standing with me, I'm going to read a couple verses here and get into a little bit of fun sharing, of uh, a little bit, just a short bit of my testimony, a little bit of uh, some mission stories that I've been on, and then uh, a little bit of uh, maybe getting you guys on the mission. So we're going to be in uh, Romans 12. I love this verse. It's one of my favorite verses. And then I'll read the Great Commission after that. But Romans 12, 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what God's will is, His good pleasing, and perfect will. It's God's word, amen? amen? All right, you can sit down now. Hey, that's kind of fun to be able to tell people what to do. I, I like that a little bit. Obviously, my other verse when talking about missions is going to be Matthew 28, 16, and 16 through 20 that talks about as you go through the world, right? Make disciples of everyone. I'll give you the short version of it. You know, in that vernacular, and you break that down, it's, it's it, he says... Um, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize. And also just, if you break that down, it's as you go. It could be as you go about your day, as you go to church, as you go into your community, you should be making disciples and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. So, um... Sorry for you guys that were at the retreat. You're going to get a little bit more of my background that would, that just so you guys can connect with me a little bit. I was raised in Notice, Idaho, which I thought was about the same size as this town, but you guys are quite a bit bigger than I was. There's a farming community, about 300 people, right? I was a good farm boy. I loved to play sports. Our school was so small, we played eight-man football. We didn't even have enough to play 11-man. Anyways, grew up in a non-Christian home. Um, except for maybe Thanksgivings and Christmas, we we do the traditional American prayer, right? You got to pray at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, but I really, just didn't have a relationship with God very often, or very very. I didn't really have a relationship with God.
2: Got through high
1: school, sports, and that stuff kind of kept me out of trouble for the most part. Um, I was called by God at one time, and I was telling these guys in Southern Alabama, there was a Baptist preacher who did an altar call and for 30 minutes and i withstood that i held my ground and i did not go forward that was not a good choice by the way (laughs) but i can see after that point in my life the god was like okay randy i have been nudging you and calling you and asking you and i in my opinion and i'm not god but i think he finally said i'm going to give you over to the desires of your heart I gave you I've been calling you so I challenge you that are here today that maybe you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and maybe he's calling on your life that you would you would think about that um, after that you know it was the partying and drugs and making babies and <laughs> I have a couple of beautiful girls and um, but it was Father's Day I don't know about 18 20 years ago that um, I'd lost everything in my life finances I'd lost my relationships. I'd lost my health. I thought I was dying with throat cancer. By the way, I didn't have throat cancer. And there was a sermon on a Sunday. Um, I'd started going to church. Don't ask me why. But at some point, I got up one morning, got all the kids ready, went to church. And on Father's Day, there was a sermon. He's like, hey, what are you going to leave for the kids? You're going to leave them your money? I'm like, oh my gosh, I've lost everything I have. You're going to leave them your health? I'm like, I think I'm dying. You're going to leave them your relationships? I'm like, those have all ended. And that's when you talked about Jesus and I gave my life to the Lord. What was really cool about, I gave my life to the Lord not very long after. I gave, I did one of those fruit of the spirits tests. You guys know about those where it kind of tells you what your giftings are in your life? And I got to tell you, on this fruit of the spirits test, I was zero on sharing my faith. I will never share my faith with anybody. And I was also zero on mission trips. I will never go on a mission trip ever in my entire life. I was so dead fast on that. It's cool how God changes our hearts in being not conformed to the world, but transformed. One day at church, um, it was funny because we were meeting in a gym at a local school, um, and a team had come back from La Esperanza, which is where Tim was showing you, and there's a picture that looks like Camp for Hell, And they were showing pictures just like this, and I'm sitting there, I'm a brand new Christian, right? This 26-year-old man just sitting there going, okay, this is cool. And then all of a sudden, I just start crying, right? Okay, I'm a farm boy. I don't show emotions, right? I'm a hunter. I work on my truck. Why am I crying? So, like in any good fashion, like a good man would do, I went and hid in the bathroom. (laughs) Right? Like, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know what's going on here. And it was so cool because I wrote in my journal that day. Like, I'm like, God, I have no idea. Well, no, let me refresh. First thing I did was like, God, is this really what it's like being a Christian? That I'm just going to sit there and cry in church and there's not even a reason to cry? Like, it was breaking my heart. and There was no, it was like pictures like this. I'm like, anyways, I, I had a little struggle with God there. But I wrote in my journal that day and I'm so glad I did. I'm like, I don't know what happened today, but I know one day you've called me down. I didn't think anything of it until later on. Well, before that, I got called to a trip in uh, Rio Chico, Mexico. Not really called, just kind of jumped on board. Now, let me tell you something. We had a pastor. His name was Cliff. Cliff was very energetic. Cliff was very faithful. Cliff was not organized at all. Sound familiar? (laughs) Great guy. Evangelist. Loved it. Let me just tell you about this mission trip. We go to get in the van for the mission trip. We are going to Rio Chico, Mexico, which means we are driving from Nampa, Idaho down to Juarez, Mexico to stay the night. Or, no, excuse me, we're supposed to go to Utah first. Then we go into Juarez. Then we drive seven hours into the middle of Mexico, right? We jump in the van. I like things organized, I like things, I like to know what I'm doing. I like to know where we're going, what time we're going to be there, what time we're going to be back, who's in charge, what are they going to do? I get in the van, it broke down. We haven't even left yet. We spent six hours at the mechanics fixing the van before we even left, which then pushed us that we can't stay in Utah anymore, so we're just going to shoot all the way down to Juarez, 24-hour drive, and we're just going to rotate drivers. I want you to know that this is my first ever mission trip and I'm a brand new Christian and I'm going, Lord, I am scared. This is going against every fiber of my being of being organized and these guys are just flying by the seat of their pants. It was quite the challenge for me. Later on, we ended up getting into Juarez. Um, again, new Christian, um, don't know, I've never been to Mexico, I've never been to anything like that. It really did break my heart. It was it an was eye opening. Like you cross from El Paso, which, you know, you got your Walmarts and your Costco's and and you get across the border and it's just bars on all the windows, uh, fences everywhere, glass on top of gates so people couldn't climb over them, dogs running through the street. Like for me, I was like, Oh my gosh, I am a naive fool to what's going on in the world. So we continued on our journey. Um, after staying the night in Juarez, which by the way, at that time, Juarez was the third murder capital of the world. And just to say that I was working through a few things, fear, trust, control, um, God was kind of tearing those down on this trip, but I kept going. Um, uh, one of the cool spiritual things, which really scared me as we were driving up through this hill, this van, we called this van Gomer. It, it was, it was a Gomer van. And trust me, I had checked all the fluids and everything, and when we stop, we check the fluid. Like I'm that guy, right? I'm checking the tire pressure. I'm checking, you know, the other Pastor Dusty who's with us. He doesn't care. He's just driving by faith. And we go up through these hills, and all of a sudden the brakes start smoking. We're coming down the hill. And um I'm a class A truck driver. I, I know how this thing works. You know, you're like, okay, your brakes get hot, you gotta pull over and there's only so far you can go, you don't want to really push that very far. and I, We're falling. We're the last one in line, by the way, and we are seven hours into the central Mexico. So if we lose that crowd, this is back before cell phones, and if we did have them, they probably wouldn't have worked anyways. If we lose those first two, we're lost. They're just going to keep going. And I remember going, okay, uh, somebody was in the seat next to me, and I said, look, i got to pull the van over. These brakes are too hot. They're starting to get soft. We're not going to make it. And I said, I'm going to give it one more corner, and then we're pulling over, and then I guess we'll figure out what we're going to do from there. The cool part is, the next corner was actually Rio Chico, and we pulled right in there. I went the next day to check the fluids. There was no brake fluid in that thing. I have no idea how. It was the most crazy thing, because I had checked all that before. Anyways, it was about a three-hour trip with the other van to go into a town to get some brake fluid. So, um, a couple other things, and I don't, like, look, don't get freaked out. Central Mexico is a lot different than Baja Mexico, but uh, one of the things, uh, some cool spiritual things that happened, I remember my buddy Robert and I were having such a great time, we're working, and they had a welder machine there. You gotta remember, we're out in the middle of nowhere. So like, as we're tearing down walls, the guy behind me is pulling the nails and straightening them out so we can use them again. There's just nothing there. When we ordered lumber, it was dimensional, and it was green, and it was wet. It had just come from the sawmill or wherever they got it. Those are the kind of things we were working with, but I remember that they had this old welder there, and they couldn't get it to work, and Robert and I looked at each other and it was like, should we go pray for it? He's like, nah, let's let him work on it a little longer. Okay, if a little longer goes by, and we go over, and we lay hands on it. I'm not joking you. This thing just fired right up. I was like, man, that is so awesome. A new Christian? I'm like, these are cool things that I'm seeing here. Very excited about that. Um, One of the other things where God really worked with me is we got stopped on the way back. We have three white bands, right? We stick out like a sore thumb. And we got stopped at a checkpoint out in the middle of the desert. Like, and honestly, it was so scary, I don't even remember. I remember seeing it, and I remember being past it, but I don't remember anything in between. But this checkpoint was a cartel checkpoint. And so they kind of come up to us, they look at our van, let us go through, we park up a little ways, we watch, but the third van, they stripped everything out of it, like they went through everything. Um, my buddy told me, he's like, do you remember that kid with like the gold AK-47 sitting on the side of the road? I'm like, no, black that out. This <laughs> working through some, uh, some fears and trust, and we got through okay, nothing happened, but you know, and again... Please, if this Mexico trip is nothing like that one, that was a little more uh, out in the middle of nowhere. So the cool part, at the end of this trip, we took that old van Gomer, which kept kind of breaking down on us little trip. We pulled it into the church parking lot and it was the last time that van ever ran. Yeah, it never, it got straight to the junkyard. Nobody could fix it, it was done. I mean, if you want to talk about, we could call it the 10th man. We were just riding on faith, man. Like there was nothing about that van that was, was uh, working properly. The cool part is, is on. Um, I'm growing in my faith a little bit. I was in prayer one night, and I really did enjoy that trip, and God very clearly spoke to me. and said, you're going on another mission trip. And I'm like, awesome, I'm going back to Mexico. Thank you, Lord, this sounds so great. And he's like, no, you're going to New York. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are, no. I have no desire. Man, I'm from Notice, Idaho. Who wants to go to New York on a mission trip? I'm like, God, you're going to have to prove it to me because I will not go. Yes, you can argue with God, guys. It's okay. He's He pretty much understands us. So the next day, I'm at a, a conference for our church, and, and this gentleman, Mike, stands up, and he's like, Oh, by the way, I got this mission trip to New York coming up. Does anybody want to go? Oh, uh, gosh, are you kidding me? yeah. (laughs) So there was confirmation. Uh, And God just kept doing some awesome things. Uh, I know Tim talked a little bit about the finance part of it. See, I was a single guy at this time. Um, When I got out of my last relationship, I was about $50,000 in debt. I had to move back in with my mom. I'm making maybe $10 an hour. And I'm like, well, this is the cool part. I can't afford to buy a ticket to New York. So We'll just call this all good. So I went on there to get my tickets. I'm like, yep, can't afford it, no problem. Called the leader over in New York and I said, hey, I want to let you know, can't afford the tickets to the trip that's on this date. She's like, oh, did we not tell you that that trip got canceled? The only trip you can go on is the one next week. I'm like, well, shoot, I'm never going to get a ticket next week, that's great. I get on there and I find cheaper tickets to the earlier mission trip and I'm like, crap. (laughs) And I I still remember this today, uh, Pastor Justin sitting there and I was like, hey, do you think I should go? He's like, did God call you? And I said, yeah, he did. He's like, why are you being disobedient? I was like, okay, click. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the cool part. Um, So Pastor Dusty's dropping me off at the airport and he goes, hey, I want to let you know something. I had a dream. I had a dream that your plane broke down. Great. I hate flying, by the way. I'm like, thank you. He's like, your plane broke down and it's great, but the the pilot had to go to Walmart and get a computer for your plane so you can fly. (laughs) Okay, thanks man, like that's great. Like that gives me so much confidence to get on this plane to New York by myself. I get on the plane, I kid you not, the pilot comes on and says, we can't take off right now, our computer's down, we'll be right back with you. (laughs) I did have a flip phone at that time. Dusty, how did the dream end? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, God, why are you doing this to me? Like, I'm being obedient and faithful, and I'm going on this mission trip for you, and you're scaring the Jesus out of me. (laughs) Anyways, they flew in another computer out of Minneapolis. We're like eight, ten hours behind. You know, when you're behind, then you don't make your next flight. So finally, I get into LaGuardia at like midnight, I have to take a shuttle or a taxi to the rental car place. And now I've got to drive from LaGuardia to Nyack, which I don't know how far it is, but it's a good job in the middle of the night, right? This is before GPS. I've got my map quest printed out yeah. right here, right? I still remember sitting in the parking lot at the rental place, and this big old dude comes up to me, and he knocks on my window, and he's like, brother, you look like you're lost. You haven't even got out of the parking lot. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. By the way, you know when you go to the rental company and they always try to upgrade you? Yeah, they did that. I had this really, really super sweet white car. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't what I ordered. I mean, it was nice. It was a fancy car. And that'll play into this next part. So as I'm driving and I'm following my map quest, I see my exit. And I know I'm not there yet, but I know that's the exit number, right? And you have to make that split-second decision. like. I don't like in Idaho. If you get off the exit, you can just get right back on. But you know those big cities, like you get off and you're in another state or whatever. So I get off, and all I see is this big sign that says "Welcome to the Bronx," and I'm like, "Whoa!" Well, I've heard stories about the Bronx. So me driving this fancy car like two in the morning when all the bars are getting out through the Bronx. I was, yeah, you know what? I prayed a lot. I really did. It was scary, I got out of there, I get back, I follow MapQuest, the next thing I know, I'm sitting at the Hudson River, like it's a dead end, there's the river, not the place I'm supposed to be. So I get on my cell phone, I call the guy that's in charge that's at the Nyack College, and, I, and he's stuttering, and I think he's messing with me, right? He's like, hey Miranda, and I'm like, dude, seriously, I ain't got time for this, like you need to tell me where to go, I'm, I'm tired and I'm grumpy at this point, right? and he's stuttering. Come to find out, he actually has a stutter and I was being a little bit rude. But I'm like, oh, hold on, don't worry about it. I'm getting pulled over by the police. Let me take you. <laughs> so I get pulled over and the officer's like, hey, you know what we pulled you over for? I'm like, no, I'm total attitude here. New York cop, I don't care. I am beyond frustrated. I'm like, no, what'd you pull He's like, you're on your cell phone. I'm like, so? It's like, you can't do that here. I'm like, oh, you can in Idaho. You're from Idaho? Oh, he starts making all these jokes, right? <laughs> I'm like, dude, I am not in the mood for you right now. So I look at him, I'm like, can you tell me where Nyack College He's like, oh, I no, I don't know. I'm like, you're from around here, you don't even know where, like, so now I'm rating him. <laughs> Anyways, I finally get to the college, and uh, this is the best part. <laughs> Talk about not being organized. I'm like, they're taking me to my dorm room, they're like, here's your bed, and I'm like, Where's the pillows and blankets? They're like, well, you didn't bring any. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me to. I'm organized. Adam, I of not them. No. So I'm like, I don't care. It's like three in the morning. I'm going to bed. We're done. So, uh, anyway, some cool things that happened on that. Um, it was a uh, an evangelical outreach, and I, I think one of the greatest stories on that one was as we went into one of these. Um, uh, the projects really tall building 20 stories or something and we started at the top and another team started at the bottom and it was really cool we were just going door-to-door talking to people inviting them you know sharing our testimonies talking to them about Christ and then inviting them to the local church but this one FedEx guy just happened to walk in and I'm like hey man can I talk to you he's like yeah sure no problem I'm just getting off work we go talk to him and it was really cool because we were able to lead him to the Lord but when we got back that night, what was even better is we were sharing with the teams what God had been doing. And the team that was coming up from the bottom had talked to a couple. And they had been praying for their son to know the Lord. And it was him. So I thought that was a really cool thing to see what God does on that mission trip. Um, and it was really good for the youth. Uh, there was a team out of Pennsylvania that had... Uh, brought up their youth group, and even to this day, it had changed their lives. So then my next trip is to El Salvador. Tim, did you tell me how much time I had? Yeah. Okay. Um, So Dusty is leading this trip. Dusty, again, a lot like Tim, doesn't want to give a lot of details, just wants to plan it and go, and we'll figure it out later. So and, and Dusty's cheap too, by the way. So when he books our t- trip to El Salvador, we fly from Boise to L.A. across the country to Dulles, and then down to El Salvador. Yeah, thank you. So on this red eye flight again, I, El Salvador is a big. I know I've been to Mexico. I've done New York. El Salvador was a big one for me because I'm like, well now I'm like, that's a long flight for me. I'm not a big flyer, even though I've flown a couple times. I'm not really getting into this. And I'm not good at it, apparently, because on this red-eye flight from LA to Dulles, um, I'm sitting next to this very stoic Oriental man, suit, tie, has his lovely daughter next to him, doesn't speak a lick of English. And in the middle of the night, right, red-eye is the night flight, right? I'm like, I'm thirsty, I'm gonna grab a drink. So I grab my water bottle, it's a little pop-top. Do you know those things pressurize up there in space? (laughs) That thing turned into a fountain and shot over and started getting him and his daughter just soaking them wet. I can't talk to him and apologize, but in my infinite wisdom, I'm like, I can't keep doing this. So I shoved it in my mouth to try to stop it from, shooting. just, I'm choking on my water. I've got water all over my face. He's soaked in water. I'm giggling like a schoolgirl because I think this is the funniest thing in the world and I'm nervous. <laughs> Pastor Dusty's sitting next to me, just shaking his head like, Dude, have you never flown before? And the, the oriental gentleman's just like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, hey, I am so sorry. And I'm giggling and laughing. Tears are coming down my eyes. I'm like, what am I doing here, Lord? So we get into Dulles Airport. And of course, our flight gets canceled. We end up having to stay the night. We work through all this stuff. We transfer over the next flight. We have to get to the airport at like some ridiculous time, like 4 in the morning. We get there. There's four of us. And they're like, hey, we have a problem. Only one of your tickets transfer. Guess whose ticket? You're gonna to need to go to El Salvador by yourself. Yeah, that's what I looked like. I was like, nah. I'm like, let's just change the ticket. And they're like, well, it's gonna cost you like 500 bucks. I'm like, yeah, maybe. So they're like, no, 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 Randy, you should do it. And I'm like, Dusty, I don't trust you. <laughs> you don't have this thing organized. Who am I meeting? Where am I going? What do I do when I get off the plane? He's like, don't worry, I'll shoot him an email. I'm like, okay, you tell him everything I'm wearing, when I'm showing up, all that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he didn't do that. Um, so I'm like, okay, so these guys send me down into this, uh, this area. They're like, go down here and get on your plane. And I walk into this huge room, there's the, a yellow line, there's all the baggage stuff, and there's nobody in this room oh, by the way, they're like, your flight's leaving in about 20 minutes or so, so you gotta hurry, you know? I'm standing there like a good old obedient person, and I'm like, there is nobody in here, this is not the right spot. So I come back up, and I meet this janitor, um, I think he was from Africa, super great guy, and he's like, no, 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 you went the wrong way, you gotta go down this way, take this one, da, 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 da. i like, okay, I'm running through there. And it's 4.30 in the morning or whatever, there's nobody in this airport, it's me and the janitor, and. So, and then my friends already left, so I run, I go down, and in another big room that looks just like the last one, and nobody's there. Run back upstairs again, I see this janitor across the hallway, I totally think this is a God moment, and he drops everything, he's like, no, 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 come on, and he takes off running. Okay, so I take off running with him, he finally wheezes me in there. And, you know, they take me downstairs and do all the check and stuff like that. And they're like, okay, you know your plane's leaving in like 10 minutes. I'm like, I know, I know. They're like, you need to hurry. I'm like, I know. They're like, okay, run over here, catch this train, and you'll make it to your plane. All right, got it. Run up there. You're up on this area, and you have to walk down. I see my train. I run. It's like a movie, honestly. I run down there, and it's like, shoot, door's shut. All right, here we go. Find another janitor. He's like, okay, just run down this tarmac thing or whatever you call. And you know those walking paths they put in that you can walk on? There was like 10 of them. This is how far I'm running, right? I finally get there, and the only saving grace was some dude was trying to sneak onto the plane and had to have security on him and stuff like that, which didn't give me great comfort to begin with. But I was able to make it to my flight down there. So then I get into country, right? You got me who knows nothing about this. And you got Dusty who doesn't tell me anything on how to do this. And I show up and they're, you know, you do your visa and they're like, okay, Mr. Dwight, what are you doing here? I'm like, man, is this this country where they kill you if you're a Christian? I don't remember. I'm not gonna tell them. They're like, okay, well, where are you going? I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, who do you mean? I'm like, somebody named Sarah, I think. And they're like, like the lady's just looking at me and she's like, I can't let you in unless you tell me. So we went back and forth a little bit. I was super nervous. And finally, this guy shows up. He's like, look, what are you doing here? Are you partying? Are you going to the beach? What are you doing? I'm like, dude, listen, I'm a Christian. I'm doing some missionary work. And he's like, oh, God bless you. Welcome in. <laughs> Anyways. Uh. Another long story with that is that I sat in the airport for a very long time not trusting that Sarah was actually out there, but she ended up finally being out there after about two hours, and I got out there. But on this, on this uh, trip, we did some things. We, it, was a, it was with Church Partnership Evangelism. What we do is we would uh, partner up with a couple churches down there. We're like, send us all your unsaved friends, family, anybody you know. We're going to pray for them for six months, and then send an appointment for us to go down and talk to them. Well, we didn't have enough appointments, so we finally, we just went door to door. And I've got my interpreter with me, it's just me and him, we're in uh, somewhere in El Salvador, I remember the name of town. We're just knocking on doors, we knock on this first door, and this dude steps out, and he's got MS-13 tattooed on his forehead. And my interpreter's like, "Uh, Randy, we gotta go. I'm like, dude, I flew, you don't know what I've been through to get down here, I'm not leaving. Nuh-uh. He's like, and my interpreter's like, nope, this guy doesn't want to talk to you. We need to get out of here, blah, blah, blah. He convinced me that we'd move on. And we are going to go skip by the next house. He's like, you don't want to go in there either. He's bad. And I'm like, look, dude, I'm sorry, man. I don't know where you're at with God, but God sent me down here for a reason. I'm knocking on the door. That's what we're here for. And I'm tired. I'd like to sit down for a little bit. <laughs> so we knock on the door. And like this 17-year-old, 18-year-old lady who's like eight months pregnant answers the door. I'm like, you sissy, we got this. Well, here's the cool part. Well, I share my testimony with her, and I'm talking to her, and, and I said, you know, I really feel like God had us come here for a reason. Like, like, there was something spiritual going on. And she goes, I know. She goes, I watched you guys walk by my house, and I started crying, because I knew God had something to tell me. We end up talking to her a little bit more. She accepts Christ, and... Um, we got to pray for her and pray for her baby and get her connected with the local church. But I just thought, how cool is that? That God is like already ordaining stuff and already working before me. And it just took the faithfulness of being able to go and go and do it. On the next house, we got invited in. The family was very nice. We were talking to them, shared my testimony with them. Talked a little bit about God. And she went to me and she goes, look, I've got a problem. I had a dream last night and I need your help like, I don't interpret dreams, but whatever. Let's give it a shot. She's like, I was on a boat. Or no, she goes, no, I I was on the water. And I was sinking and I was drowning. But I couldn't figure out how to be saved. And I was like, oh boy, do I got a story for you. Let's talk about Peter getting out of the boat. And I said, all he did was say, Jesus, save me. And she accepted the Christ right there through that dream. Again, you see God... Working not only in my life and and challenging my fears and my comfort label and my controlling of everything. He broke all that down. But he was also going before me. And, you know, the first lady, he's like putting it on her heart that we need to come talk to her. And the second lady, he's like giving her a dream before that. So we go to a, we actually had one appointment that day, and I went to that appointment. And I'm talking to this lady, and she's super sweet, very gracious. A very gracious country. They li- invite you in, they feed you, they give you water. You can't drink it though, so just politely set it down. And we're talking, we're having a great conversation. She's like, "Look, I love all my Christian friends, my Mormon friends, all Seventh Day Adventists, whatever." And I'm like, "Ooh, I'm gonna win her with intellect. Let me tell you the difference between these different religions. You're gonna come to know the Lord because I'm so smart." not going to happen in this state. At this point, I have a 17-year-old interpreter, a very, very small lady, very shy, and she's interpreting it. At one point in the conversation, we're almost done. I'm like, you know what? I think our time here is done. We've been here a long time. And, I, and she goes, wait, 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 Randy. She's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm like, what? And they're talking in Spanish. So I'm like, please tell me. What do we got going on here? And she's like, look, Randy, she just remembered something. There was a lady at her work, a Christian lady said, they, she was challenging her in her faith, and she goes, but look, I'm gonna tell you, a foreigner is gonna come into your house on this date and share the truth with you. And she'd forgotten about that, and when she remembered that, she's like, what are you selling? I want it. And she came to know the Lord. Can't you praise God for that one? I struggle on that. I'm like, God, did you really need me? Did you really need me to come down here? Like, anybody could have done this. Anybody. I, I, I was like, man, I just don't know the Lord. Like, it really was pushing my heart to go, I'm not sure why I'm coming down here and doing it. I love what's going on. I love what God's doing. But I'm like, man, why are you using me? And I think it comes down to where God's like, "I just want you to be obedient. I want your heart. Do, we, do you really trust in me? Like, do you guys ever listen to the words you sing?" A W, A. w. Tozer, I think it was said, and I love this verse and it convicts me—or not verse, excuse me. His statement it convicts me all the time. He's like, "Christians don't lie; they just go to church and sing them." Like when I read those words like I surrender all, I'm like, mm-mm. I mean, not yet. I'm almost there, but I'm coming, i coming along, Lord. <laughs> but I don't surrender all. But I think it's where the Lord is just like, God's like, look, Randy, please be obedient. Please trust in me. Have faith. I'm working in your life and I'm working in other people's life. I just need you to go and do what I ask you to do. That's what I learned on that trip. So after that. Finally this was I don't know five years later after I had written in my journal that I didn't know what but I was going to go down to Baja it, I think it was five or six years later. I end up being in Baja not thinking of this. I'm reading through my old journal And it's like hey, I don't know what happened today, but I know I'm going to be down here and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm down here like God really was putting it on my heart to go and on my first trip um, You know, I was a wide-eyed guy. I was kind of the troublemaker. I was the you know, they're like, please don't give candy to the kids. It's not fair. And I'm like, dude, you're my favorite. Here, have some candy. And then all the other kids would get jealous, and then I would get in trouble. I was that guy on the trip. But over the years, um, I grew from being the guy going on the trip and, uh, to being the guy that leads the trips now. Which is really cool to see that transformation because I was a control freak when I would go. I'd want to know all the details. I'd know, where are we going? What time are we going to be there? Who's leading it up? Do we have enough food? Do we have enough of this? And don't get me wrong, when you go on these trips, I take care of all those details. They're, it's all my out. Now, I'm not going to tell you everything we're doing because you got to let God have a little fun with you on the trip too. And I do mess with people the whole way. Like sometimes, shut the GPS off and just like, I think we're going the right way. Right? Let me tell you a couple fun stories, and hopefully Tim hasn't shared this one with you. So, was it two years ago at Ricardo's house? Let me just tell you some of the stuff we go through. So, Dusty, you've heard about him. He's the guy that sent me to El Salvador by myself. Dusty also, how do I say this politely, has has stomach issues. (laughs) It has a bathroom story from, like, four different countries. And we got a great one a couple years ago. So we we go down and minister at Camp for Hell, which you got, which is actually right there. And at Camp for Hell, we met a gentleman named Ricardo, who happened to be the uh, human resource director. This was an amazing connection. It's very hard to get into that camp. It is. It was a connection that was God ordained. He opened up doors for ministry down there that we never could have thought of. And Ricardo invites us to his house. We're like, ooh. Awesome. Now, where we're at in Mexico is very deserty, like a house can be made out of sticks and bisqueen, or you might have a nice cinder block house with a garage door and all that. We pull up to this house and you open the garage door to the wall that takes you into the courtroom that takes you to the beautiful house. This is a really nice place, by the way. of course working for camp for hell he's probably one of the few people that make really good money around there so we're sitting out in this court area and he's got a stone brick oven and he's making us pizzas right so we have pastor tim and i there is the missionaries bookie his brother junior and his other brother marilio and we who else uh, oh dusty's the, dusty's the main part of the story here Dusty's there, and just imagine us all sitting around, our host, Ricardo, who we're trying to build a connection with, who is the human resource director for um, Camp for Hell, who is gonna open up opportunities for us so we're on our best behavior, right? (laughs) So Dusty looks at me, and remember, Dusty has stomach issues, and he's eating cheese, which he's not supposed to be, and he goes, I gotta go to the bathroom. So we have two options now. He's got a bathroom right outside in the courtyard, It's a real bathroom. You can sit down, but there's something you never do in Mexico. Does everybody know? You don't flush your toilet paper. Okay? Or he could go inside where there's a nice bathroom, again, but you don't flush the toilet paper in Mexico. The sewer systems can't handle it. So Dusty goes, i got to go to the bathroom. I'm like, dude, I know you. That bathroom is way too close. You need to go inside. Well, he talks to Junior, the missionary, and he's like, no, 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 just use that one. So Dusty goes in, we're having a great time, we're singing, we're playing like, uh, what was that game we were playing, musical, uh, name that tune, name that tune. We're laughing, we're, we're building relationships, and Dusty comes back out, and I'm on my best behavior, and Dusty looks at me, and he goes, "Rainy, we have a problem. And I'm like, oh no, man, did you flush the toilet paper down the toilet at Ricardo's house? like the biggest faux pas you can do in Mexico?" He's like, no. He's like, look, there's no trash can in there. So when you don't have the toilet, you dispose of it in the trash can, which is very common around there. I'm like, there's no trash can and you put it in the toilet, didn't you? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, I looked everywhere, there was nowhere. And I'm like, well, what'd you do with it? He's like, it's in my pocket. (laughs) I am, I am giggling and crying and laughing and I can't look at him because every time I do I'm like you have poop in your pocket. <laughs> so I'm dying laughing here. I'm trying to be on my best behavior. You gotta realize Ricardo is a very stoic man. He's a businessman. He's very polite but very formal <laughs> and I'm laughing my head off. Well then the brothers get wind of this. Not literally. <laughs> Sorry. So the brothers catch on to what's going on, and they start laughing. Murillo is laughing so hard, he literally slides out of his chair and he's on the ground laughing. Dusty's laughing, I'm laughing. Tim, do you ever laugh? (laughs) So Tim's over there doing his nervous giggle. (laughs) Ricardo is catching on that there is something going on here, right? And uh, I'm just looking at Dusty like, I, I can't keep it, I'm sorry, when I get laughing, I am out of control, I am just, I, I don't function well, I just laugh, then I start snorting, and then it gets worse. Anyway, so Ricardo finally looks up at us, he's like, hey guys, why don't you let me know what's going on? And I look over at Bookie, the missionary, and he's doing this, Mm-mm, you do not tell him Dusty has toilet paper in his pocket. <laughs> What do I do? So I'm laughing harder now because I'm really nervous. Like, So I eventually make up this story. I don't know. I, I'm sure y'all don't live PG lives, but I'm trying to keep this PG, but I, I made up this story about a guy in our room that would, <laughs> it's not a made up story, it's a true story, but he's, he's a little bit of a bigger guy. And he never seemed to have his clothes on when we were in the room, so. I told him that we were just a little surprised about that and we were laughing about it, and Ricardo, I don't think, bought into the story at all. But anyways, so finally this is like, what do I do? I'm like, dude, okay, look. I run up, I grab some napkins, I'm like, look, put the thing in the napkins, go walk over and just dump it in the trash can, right? Like, it's not a big deal. He stands up in the middle of it, starts digging in his pockets, and I'm like, just go out in the bushes or something, like, don't. So finally we get rid of the evidence and we go about. Boy, and, I, you know, and then here's, here's another good part. We get back to the camp and we're telling the story to everybody. Right, they're laughing, having a good time, and Dusty shows up. And somebody looks at him and they're like, "Were those the shorts you were wearing?" He's like, "Yeah." They like, go change your shorts, man. <laughs> oh. I know, I know, I know. Anyway, those are just some of the good experiences. I mean, that's a story that I'm going to be able to share. It's not really a God story, but it just shows you that we have a little bit of fun on these mission trips and the bonding experience of that and the friendship that you, you get from those kind of stories really is just amazing on how God will use those things. To, to build and strengthen friendships. And we didn't ruin our re- relationship with Ricardo. We ended up helping out quite a bit with us being able to get into the camp and I think actually helping Junior secure some land. He wants to build a church and a school building over there. So here is I'm gonna wrap up and I see I'm a little bit over time and I apologize. I'm just gonna challenge you guys a little bit on these mission trips, okay? You see in, in my stories that I had fear flying, not trusting people, especially unorganized people, which all my pastors seem to be for some reason. I had uh, trust issues, you know, I had to work through a lot, being obedient to God and the calling of his voice when he says, look, I need you to go. I just need you to trust me, Randy, that this is why I'm having you go. So I'm just talk through a few things on why people don't go on mission trips. Usually the number one thing I hear, and this should really be the last thing you should ever worry about is money. And as Tim alluded to, I have never had anybody come to me at the last minute and say, somebody that was serious about going, say hey, I just can't go, I don't have enough money. It's never happened. Everybody that's wanted to go and has been called by God, it always worked out. It always did. If we read in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, and always acknowledge Him. And He will make you straight your paths. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for, In prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And 2 Corinthians 9:10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity. I just want you guys to, I challenge you a little bit. If it's a stretch to go, trust in God. Trust that he's gonna work that out. And don't get me wrong, I think sometimes there's a little bit of hard work that goes with that. Maybe raising some money, maybe doing some fundraisers and stuff. The second item is fear. I think that's the biggest other one I hear. Because when you guys hear anything about Mexico, it's usually negative, right? Gang members doing this and that. You know, there's never really anything good on the news about Mexico. Well, I can attest in whatever 13, 14, 15 years of going down there, I don't even think I've seen petty theft. Now, did we get stopped at a checkpoint? Yes. But beyond that, like, it's honestly a very safe place. They're just normal people. They're just going about their day. They're working. They're providing for their families. They're going to church and worshiping their God. It's not like the whole country is just getting terrorized all the time. Are there some cities? Yes. But for the most part, I would challenge you, if fear is stopping you, Joshua 1 9, I have not commanded you, be str- have I not? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So work through those fears. And it's a great tool. So leadership, let me give you a challenge. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to stop calling them mission trips, and I'm going to start calling them discipleship trips. Because if leadership, if you want to see your church grow, like if you want to see them get stronger in the relationship with Christ, encourage them to go on a mission trip. Like that's where a lot of my faith has grown. It challenges you, it gets you outside your comfort zone. You know, like where we go, there's no running water. That's a challenge, right? There's some big spiders, I know. We're three fears on that. It's different, yeah, cockroaches. But if you're true in your relationship with Christ, this is one of the best things you can do to challenge yourself. If you're really wanting to get close to God, it's, it's not that easy when you just sit in your home and maybe show up to church on Sunday. It's about getting involved in things, whether it be in your community, whether it be the short-term mission trips, you need to be involved in what God's asking you to do. If you're serious about your relationship with God, that's the thing. Some of us, I get it. You just come on Sundays, you get a good little meal, you uh, feel a little bit better about yourself. But also remember, you're going to stand before God someday. Like that's, that's not something you should look by lightly. You're going to lay all your works before God. It's either going to be burned up like stubble, or it's going to be precious jewels like the Bible says. And this, let's not steer into religion where it's like, you have to go do this. You have to be, this is, you know, if you don't go on a mission trip, you're not a Christian. That's not it at all. I would attest it to like tithing. God doesn't want your money. He could care less about it. He wants your heart. I know for me, giving money to my local church and giving money to missionaries is my heart being changed. Because what I'd rather do is buy that three quarter ton truck Right, with the diesel engine, Allison transmission. That's what I'd rather do with it. That's where my heart's at. But God changed my heart a few years ago. And I can put those things aside and say, Lord, what is it that you want me to do with this? Now, hey, if he wants to bless me with that truck, I'm going to grab it. I'll tell you that right now. But, but that's what I see Mission Trips as, is a way of changing your heart and growing closer to Christ. It's a great discipleship tool, and you guys should be utilizing that as much as you can. And for you guys that are just like, hey, you know what? I'd rather just show up on Sunday and feel a little bit better about myself. Maybe throw a little pince in the the offering plate. Maybe help out every once in a while. If that's what God is calling you to do, do it to the best of your ability. Our time here is short. Like, I'm up here at 46 years old, and I feel like just the other day I was tackling guys on the football field in high school, right? Like it was the blink of an eye. We just sent our last kid off to college. Hopefully he doesn't come back. But anyways, (laughs) you know, so when your kids leave and you start looking back on stuff, you're like, man, that was quick. That was quick. It's a blink of an eye, we are dust in the wind. Are you doing what God is leading you to do? Are you accepting the challenge of your leadership that is calling you to grow in your relationship with Christ? Or are you just going through the motions? My biggest thing in my Christian walk right now is like, I am tired of going through the motions. I'm tired of showing up on Sunday and saying, okay, I'm going to sing the songs, but I'm not going to think about it. I'm tired of doing communion and going, this is just a routine that I do. Instead of actually enjoying communion as it was presented by God to me. Thanksgiving, remembrance, and excitement for what Christ has done in my life. I'm tired of going through the motions of hearing the sermon and then going home and watching a football game and forgetting everything that I heard. Or never acting on any of those things that I knew. Like, oh man, that was convicting. That's great. Boise State's playing today. (laughs) I guess it would be Sunday. So the Bengals would be playing. (laughs) So I challenge you guys, if God is leading you and calling you in your heart to a deeper relationship with Him, don't deny that calling. Don't deny what God is doing in your life and what you're seeing him do in other lives. Don't be like me in that southern Alabama church grabbing onto that pew saying, no, Lord, I'm not going right now because he's calling you today. He says today is the day of salvation. You don't know what tomorrow holds. I didn't know what tomorrow was going to hold and thank God he gave me enough time to come back around. So as I leave you guys with this mission statement, hoping that you guys are encouraged, that you believe in your leadership, that you trust them, that you'll stick with them. I'm gonna leave you with James 2, because this is one of my favorite verses when it comes to serving other people and getting outside of my own selfishness and my own pride. And he says here in James 2:15 through 17, he's like, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You are saved by grace alone, by faith in Jesus Christ alone. The byproduct of that is becoming more like Christ in our walk. And I challenge you today, are you becoming more like Christ? Is he changing your heart and the finances, and your fears, and your trust, and your controlling? Is he changing your heart? Are you doing things like loving your enemy? That's one of the things he calls us to do with a changed heart. Trusting in leadership. So the challenge today, where are you at with God right now? And what is it that God's calling you to do? And can't you be obedient and say, Lord, I want more of you. I know my time here is short. I want more of you. Let's pray. Lord God, I am so in awe of all the stories I heard this weekend of your faithfulness in everybody's life. Lord, I am so in awe of all the goodness and gracious grace that you poured upon these people, how you were long-suffering and waiting Waited for us to come to know you through our suffering. All I can say is that means you are a good God. Lord, we just pray today. We know you are in the business of transforming lives. Lord, would you challenge us today about those rough edges that we may need to hone off or some of those big steps that we may need to do, Lord, if it be missions. Maybe it's in our community. Maybe it's to trust you with our finances. Maybe it's to trust you with control issues like I had to go through for so many years. But Lord, would you continue to work in our lives? Your word says if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. We stand on that promise, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done and all you're going to do. And we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If I can have our worship
0: team come back up, we're going to close with a song, Broken Vessels. And if you would all join me by standing. If the Lord has touched your heart If he has spoken to you in any way today, whatever it is, maybe there's somebody here who says, hey, I need healing. Whether you're going through a physical problem or you have an emotional or a spiritual situation going on. um, Maybe you have a call to missions. Maybe God is prompting you and you're like, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to step out in faith, but today I will step forward and say, okay, God, I surrender, I'll step into the ring. Or maybe today would be a day of salvation or recommitment, whatever that is. Um, or maybe today it's just a day to lift up your voice and sing with all your heart. Let's, um, let's sing this song together, Broken Vessels. And if you want, you can come forward. And we've got people who will come up and just love on you and pray with you if you want to come. difference that he's made in our lives. Pray that God would use you, that you would hear his voice, that he'd show you how to step forward in faith, grow in that relationship with him, get into his word and may God bless you richly as we all press on that journey heavenward and one day we will all be together and the goal, one of the goals of the Christian life is to bring and take as many as we can with us. treasure and the reward in heaven that more people might know jesus god bless you